Every story in scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas, and in these video classes, we've been making our way through the Bible in a summary fashion. We've been calling this the 17 periods of Bible history, and we have just completed the last phase of the Old Testament periods. And the Old Testament comes to a close with the book of Malachi. But history didn't stop there. The inspired repository of Scripture ends with the book of Malachi. But history didn't just stop and then pick up again after 400 years. So we have to talk about that. After Malachi and before the start of Matthew, Sometimes people say there is a blank page or 400 years of silence. Yes, there is no inspired scripture, but it was pretty loud on the ground. It wasn't blank. Things were happening rapidly among the Jewish people. This is sometimes called the intertestamental period. It needs our attention. The challenge for us is, as teachers and students, we are dependent a lot on historical information outside inspired scripture. There is a significant prophetic statement that I'm going to refer to in a moment. Once you get into the opening pages of the New Testament, there are some conclusions about God's remnant people during that 400-year period. But when we try to fill in the blanks between the Testaments, we refer to some material, some documentation for historical information outside the inspired scripture. Let me start with something we do know from the book of Daniel, chapter 2. You remember when Daniel interpreted that dream of King Nebuchadnezzar? Let's start with that. We know that this is authentic, written in Scripture, and it points forward. I want to read this from Daniel 2, 31 to 45, and I want to emphasize how this points forward. It says, this is Daniel 2, 31 to 45, Daniel addressing the king about his dream, giving him the meaning. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. 
I'm sure you've seen these charts like this, depicting what Daniel wrote in this prophecy. Here's one example prepared by Steve Rudd, and you can see the gold as representative of the Babylonian Empire, silver, Persia, bronze, Greece, iron and clay, Rome, and then a kingdom was established that exists today, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, made up of people living in submission to him. See, Daniel lived during the time of the Babylonian captivity, and he spoke as a prophet of God about future empires after Babylon, the Persian, the Greek, the Roman, then God's kingdom would come to pass, the spiritual kingdom, the church. So Daniel helps us some without giving detailed history or a sequential journal. He helps us in dealing with that so-called blank page between the Testaments. There would be a Persian, Grecian, and the Roman Empire before the church was established. Time-wise, that takes us after Malachi and before Matthew. Daniel was an inspired prophet, so that puts us in touch with this period of silence at least in a predictive manner, even though we do not have all the details in narrative sequence. Now, when there is a discussion of this 400 years of silence or this intertestamental period, there are two questions that always come up. I want to briefly address those two questions. What about those books you hear about that were written during that time or that refer to that time? Books that you may find in the old Catholic Bibles, sometimes called apocryphal like 1st and 2nd Maccabees, Tobit, or Judith. These books are often dated in this time frame of this 400-year period or refer to it. If you read those books through, you will not get an impression that they are like or that they enjoy harmony with the books of the Bible. No evidence that these books are inspired of God. From a secular standpoint, they may relate some of the history of that period, but they are said to be non-canonical. That means not a part of inspired scripture. I'll not take us into all the evidence that they are not inspired at this time. Just mention the claim is that they came from this period and do in fact reveal some of the events that occurred after Malachi and before Matthew. The other question about this period, was this period of time so desolate and depraved there were no faithful people? That's easy to answer because we have learned who God is through our study of the Old Testament. He always had a remnant of faithful people on earth. Remember, he made promises about a nation and the Messiah would come through that nation. God's going to keep that nation intact. But there's more. When you get into the book of Matthew, you meet Jews who were faithful to God, who lived before Matthew was written. The parents of Jesus and John the Baptist and people like Simeon, when did they live? 
And what about their parents? Well, their lives and commitment to God and God's covenant began before the birth of Jesus in that time frame. We have, therefore, evidence of people who lived during that period of time and were faithful to God. So while this is not as clear and detailed as Old Testament narrative history that moves us along in sequence, the blank page can be filled in to some extent. Daniel mentioned there would be these empires, though Daniel doesn't give us a running sequence of everything. Matthew speaks of people who lived then who served the Lord during that time frame. All right, here's what I think I need to do next. Based on available, uninspired sources that document some of what Daniel said about empires that would come and go, there are about six periods of time we can survey Remember, we're basing this on uninspired sources, but they seem to have some credibility. The Persian Empire, 538 to 332. We have biblical evidence of the Persian Empire. We remember from Ezra and Nehemiah. We have the stories of Zerubbabel, Esther, and Daniel that we've referred to in earlier classes. That Persian rule continued until broken by Alexander the Great. By the way, it was during this time that the Samaritan temple at Mount Gerizim became a local place of worship rather than Jerusalem. Next, the Greek, sometimes called Macedonian period, 332 to 323 BC. I mentioned this came to pass by Alexander the Great who was somewhat friendly toward the Jews, and it was during this time that the Greek language was beginning to be introduced. That'll become significant later. The Egyptian period, 323 to 198. Upon the death of Alexander, his empire was divided among four of his generals. The most important event during this period was the translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek. That's called the Septuagint. The Syrian period, 198 to 167 BC, 40,000 were massacred in Jerusalem by Antiochus Epiphanes. In this turmoil, you may have heard the story of what happened in this massacre. A pig was sacrificed on a Jewish altar. This was an effort to stamp out the Hebrew religion. Many of you have heard about the Maccabean period, 167 to 63 BC. This was a time of revolt by the Jews against their enemies. An old priest, Mattathias, and his five sons led the Jews in a war of independence from their Gentile oppressors. It is written, not in the Bible, but in secular history, that Judas Maccabeus led a remarkable revolt in a series of victories. Some of the key elements of the Jewish religion were restored, and this leader, Judas, was sometimes referred to as Judas the Hammer. The Pharisees and Sadducees developed during this time, and then came even more decline 
among the people. Then the Roman period from 63 into the New Testament time. Some of this you may be more familiar with. Pompeii captured Jerusalem in 63 BC. Now we are remembering what Daniel said about that Roman Empire. This as a time of chaos, similar to the judges period in terms of idolatry and sin and revolt, a party arose, the Herodians, who favored the rulers of the Herod family in Palestine over the Jews. Let's see, you're beginning to hear some New Testament material. A political mindset developed among the Jews wanting to get out from under the rule of the Roman Empire. So I've given you a very brief sketch of the intertestamental period, sometimes called the 400 years of silence, but you can see it really wasn't silent. God was silent in terms of written sources being delivered during that time, but we believe he was active, getting the world ready for Jesus to come, keeping his nation intact. May I take us now to Galatians chapter 4? Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Listen to Paul. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Let me raise this question. What is God doing during that 400-year period between the writings of the Old Testament and the New? We know this. He is waiting, but not inactively. He is waiting but actively applying his providential government and wisdom, leading to just the right time for the Messiah to come. And here it is called the fullness of the time. We have learned from our Old Testament studies that God is at random. He doesn't wait around to see what might happen. He isn't dependent on what kings and rebels do on the earth. This passage in Galatians is telling the readers God managed time until the date, the fullness of the time. So it isn't that nothing happened for 400 years. It's really not a blank page in terms of history on the ground. God had people faithful to him the Jewish nation existed, though they were constantly under attack. And when just the right time came to pass, Jesus was born. One language, one government, the Old Testament 
translated into Greek, disappointment with the prevailing religion among the righteous. Providence was active and the fullness of time came. Back to Daniel's prophecy now, in the days of the Roman kings, the kingdom of Christ was established. What are we to learn from this study? Well, not details documented by the Holy Spirit, but there were faithful people. There can always be faithful people serving God, no matter what kind of horrible turmoil is happening around us. Even if a nation comes apart, a human nation, a secular government just comes apart, there can be faithful people of God continuing to serve him. We've had some difficult times in our world the last several months, and we are not good predictors of what might lie ahead. But we can know this, we can be faithful to God. Though it may be very hard, we can be faithful to God like Joseph and Mary and the parents of John the Baptist and good old Simeon and Anna. May we never blame the culture or the government for our neglect of God. We can be what he wants us to be through the strength provided for those who abide in Christ. Thank you for staying with us for this very different and difficult kind of study. We'll be back next time to talk about something very pleasant, joyous, the life of Jesus Christ as documented by those inspired writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You come back and be with us.